When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, loves? Welcome to Self-Care in Real Life, a podcast where we obsess over giving women the tools that they need to choose happiness and create more joyful moments. I am your host, best-selling author and lifestyle blogger, Ty Alexander, and I'm basically your new wellness hype girl, so welcome to the party. <laughs> Before we take a deep dive into today's episode, I want to remind you to be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes if you've enjoyed the podcast so far. You can also head over to patreon.com slash self-care IRL to sign up for our exclusive membership community, which is filled with gems that I have curated just for you to help you cultivate life-shifting healing experiences. Today, I have a super special treat for you. We hosted our second live podcast, and I'm so very pumped for you to listen in on this one. We kicked off with our trauma therapist, our specialist, the host of the Healing Circle podcast, Kobe Campbell. In front of a live audience, her and I spoke about Christian therapy and what that is, how to enforce your boundaries, abusive cycles and friendships and how to recognize them. I mean, we kind of talked about everything in this 60 minutes or so. So for those of you who were able to join live, you know, child, this was a good one. So good that it'll be something that you want to listen back over and over and over again. The gems that Kobe had are unmatched. So enough talking from me. Please enjoy self-care in real life live, Healing While Black. My guest today, I have to pause because I don't think she knows how instrumental she has been in my own healing just from Instagram alone. She's one of my favorite people to follow on the internet. Her gems are unmatched. I love following her. If you are not, please do. She is a trauma therapist based in North Carolina. She's also the host, fellow podcaster. She's the host of the Healing Circle podcast, which is in heavy rotation for me. Um, on the podcast, she has really honest conversations about mental health issues and relationships. Get this with her husband. Talk about goals. I promise you those are goals. <laughs> um, without further ado, please help me welcome my guest, Kobe Campbell. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much, Ty. That made me kind of teary. I was like, dang, that was so kind of you. Thank you. <laughs> you really are the self-care hype girl. I try, I try, I try. I think um, we are both in a space where faces like ours are now becoming the forefront of wellness. And so yeah. I'm excited that you're on this journey with us, kind of teaching Black women again, how to heal, how to love themselves, how to love others while you love yourself. So I just had to give you your flowers while you were here in front of me. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, so. When we talked last, um, it was episode 22. Um, mm -hmm. If you haven't listened, please go back and listen to the episode. She dropped 
hella gems that day as well. But if you are unfamiliar with Kobe, I'm going to get her to tell us a little bit about her counseling approach and kind of uh, school us on the difference between traditional counseling and Christian counseling. What's the difference and in, in, in what's your approach in, in therapy? Yes. So um, my approach in therapy is for the whole person. Because I think a lot of our traumas, whether people are religious or not, are tied to religion. And so when we try to leave that at the door, we miss an opportunity to embrace liberation, whether that includes faith or not. Whatever liberation looks like for you, it has to address the ways that you've been wounded. And so... um, For me, Christian counseling is inviting whatever version of God you find to be most kind, most compassionate, most loving, and most accepting into your healing process. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. What is, um, because I feel like a lot of us are unfamiliar with like Christian counseling and we might even have some just preconceived notions about it. What's something about Christian counseling that people kind of assume or misunderstand about it? I feel like Christians don't know what Christian counseling is. (laughs) I'm so serious. Because when people come in, they like think I'm going to like pull out a Bible or like lay hands on their head and slather like oil or something. Like they really come in with this like, okay, so what do you want to do to me? You know, situation. But the reality is when people come in for Christian counseling, they're expecting to be judged. They're expecting me to tell them how they feel, what they should and should not do, what perspectives they should or should not have. But the reality is I am asking them questions that helps them go discover by themselves what they believe about God and the God that they worship. So that's something that I think that people would benefit from if they learned about more um and really something you have to experience because to be honest there are some christian counselors who will be out there just wilding like i I don't even want to associate with you right and so the work that i do is work where i'm saying well what do you think if god is as compassionate more compassionate than any person you know how do you think he would respond to you in this moment Right. If God accepts you, no matter what, if there's nothing in the world that can separate you from the love of God, how would he respond to you after this thing happened, after that thing happened? So it's about asking people questions that help them discover, dang, there is an incongruence between how I see God and what I say about God. And if I actually lived like what I said about God was real, how would I act? How would I look? And you know what's funny? You know who needs Christian counseling more than anybody? Christians. <laughs> I told y'all she was going to come with the gems. We only nine minutes in, okay? And she <laughs> dropped brick loads of gems, okay? Because And I, I'm going to be honest with you. I definitely, before I met you, right, I definitely would see, you know, like, because I've been to therapy a few times, had different therapists. And, yeah. and so it'll be the title, you know, Christian therapist, you know, yeah. whatever. And I was like, I don't, I don't want her putting oil and, and stuff on me. And, and <laughs> like, it's not like there's a lot of extra things that's happening. Yeah. With Christian. So thank you uh-huh. again for clearing that up and giving us right. some, um, some clarity on that. Because I think a lot of us assume, you know, when we go to the Christian counselor, it's going to be a lot of God, but not in that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think people also think it's going to be a lot of me telling you something, but it's really about you discovering for yourself. Like I tell people, it's about you experiencing the God that you worship. It's about not not what I say. If I can talk you into something, I can talk you out of it. And that's why a lot of people are confused because they've been told something that's not real and that they haven't experienced. But you know what? I can't talk you out of an experience. 
If you Ooh. feel it in your heart, in your body, in your mind, in your soul, if you experience it, I can't convince you out of it. I can't talk you out of it. I can't say it didn't happen. It's it's an experience that's so utterly personal to who you are that nobody can shake that. And that's so all. like, that's what my work is about. It's how do you experience the God that you worship? Ooh, that, listen, some, is somebody writing this down? That <laughs> is the Instagram quote if I've ever heard any. Now, as a therapist, I wanted to, I've always wanted to, um, to pick y'all's brains. This yeah. is a question really I just want to know. Okay. What are some of your pet peeves as a therapist like that we do as clients or just we assume, you know, therapy is about? What are, what are some of your pet peeves or some things that you wish could be buried about therapy? Oh, there are many. I think my number one pet peeve is when my clients, the clinical term would be gaslighting themselves. But when my clients come in and before they can even share what they're feeling or thinking, they'll say, and I know that this is really immature and I know I shouldn't think this way. And I know I should be grateful for what I have. And I know, and I know, and I know, and I know. And they get to this space where they're like adding all these caveats into like building all these caveats almost as a barrier from like they think I'm going to invalidate their feelings like other people have and so I usually have to jump in and say you don't have to qualify like you don't have to qualify so that's number one number two is when I ask my clients how do you feel about that what emotions does that bring up and their response is well I think I think well I know and I always have to be like I think is not a response to what you feel. What you think is not what you feel. I'm not asking you to rationalize what you feel. I'm telling you to share what you feel. So that's, it's not like a, oh my gosh, I hate when people do this, but it's one of those things where I'm like, ah, I just wish people could feel free to share how they feel without having to guard themselves from how people are going to respond to it. Like that's what, I think it makes me more sad than mad. I am really proud of the way I have been taking care of myself in 2022, especially when it comes to getting the nutrients my body needs. Daily Harvest has been helping me stay nourished with organic fruits and vegetables delivered right to my door. They have so many delicious options for every meal of the day and they all stay fresh in my freezer until I'm ready for them. My current favorites are their banana almond smoothie for breakfast and their beets and wild rice harvest bowl for lunch. Not only is Daily Harvest good for me, but it's good for the planet too. All of their packaging is recyclable and compostable. Daily Harvest makes it easy to feel good about what you're doing for yourself and the planet. Go to dailyharvest.com selfcare to get up to $40 off of your first box. That's dailyharvest.com slash self-care for up to $40 off your first box. Dailyharvest.com slash self-care. I was mentioning how, you know, we, it's a way that we guard ourselves while trying to like, we are always at all times trying to figure out how to be as authentic as possible while being as safe as possible. And like, oftentimes we'll only be our authentic selves until we feel unsafe. 
And anything beyond that line of unsafety, we reserve for ourselves or for people we do feel safe with. And so when people come to therapy, I think um, emotionally, mentally, neurologically, they're used to someone judging, fixing, invalidating their feelings. And because they're used to that, they come in with, I know I shouldn't feel this way. I know I should be grateful. I know and as someone who specializes in trauma, especially emotional trauma rooted in abandonment and betrayal and neglect, most of the times, those are the people who don't even want to acknowledge that what they've experienced is trauma. I, I grew up in a two-parent home. You know, I, I never had to want for food. You know, I always had clothes. I went to a good school. But that doesn't mean that your parent was not verbally abusive. That doesn't mean they weren't emotionally neglectful, right? And so having to remind people, it's okay to just speak your truth and stand 10 toes down and say, this is how I feel, regardless of what anyone thinks. Yeah, yeah. And when, the last time we talked, we talked about boundaries. And I love that we kind of got into trauma because there's lots of times we find it hard to implement boundaries with people that we love, right? Yes. Um, especially when we talk about moms and dads and relatives and our husbands and our wives and things like that. So I want to get a little bit more specific. And can we talk about the areas of our lives that you think boundaries really are needed the most? I think the areas of our lives where we need boundaries the most, um, I think it shifts for everybody, but I think the area is in the place where we need the most validation, but have to turn it down to care for ourselves. And I think that validation meets people in different spaces. Maybe you really need someone to see you as competent, but you actually need to not do this thing to the full capacity because you need rest. Right. Maybe really, you know, like there's this sense of, Oftentimes what we need the most is on the other end of the line with like the things that, that we need to take care of ourselves. You know, I remember telling my own therapist, sometimes I feel like I'm choosing between loving myself or being loved by others. And sometimes Ooh. I feel like those two things can't coexist. But if I'm if I'm loving myself, then other people are disappointed. And if I'm loving other people, I'm neglecting myself. And I think in between that, those two truths. Th those are where boundaries are needed the most, where we can say, I will disappoint somebody. I will leave someone high and dry and not because I don't like them, but because I have decided that this is the way I want to love people sustainably. And that's what's kept, I think, me and a lot of my clients as I've done work with them able to show up is like boundaries are not always about what can I do today? It's what kind of patterns do I want to set in my relationships? Cause maybe you could go above and beyond today, but does that mean right. you should? Or no. that I'll always have the capacity to do so. I find that there are days because my cup is really full, right? Like, mm -hmm. especially and kind of just always practicing self-care in real life, my cup is typically full. And yep. so I do have capacity to love maybe a little higher than other people. But to your point, should I? Yeah. And just because you have the capacity to love other people, does that mean it needs to be spent on other people? What would it look like to spend that on yourself? Ooh, right. Like we're always taught that overflow is for someone else. But what would it look like to give yourself the overflow? What would it look like to normalize abundance from yourself to yourself? I feel like you just read me. <laughs> like, <laughs> what would it look like to give that overflow to myself? 
Yeah. I don't know about y'all, but that was re- that was a revelation for me just now. Like, what would come on, hand claps? Come on now. <laughs> what what would that look like if I gave that extra overflow to me? You, listen, mm. is somebody taking notes? These are <laughs> quotables right here. You, you you always give us with the quotables, but I, I know that boundaries feel like such um, a daunting task, unattainable task for me anyway. Sometimes when we yeah. think about like them, but what are some of the like most effective ways that you can kind of begin introducing boundaries, especially if you are a person who has just allowed, you know, willy nilly to do whatever they want to do with, with, with you and your personals. <laughs> How does one who is very unfair with boundaries begin to kind of introduce them into their lives with relationships? Yeah, I think there's two things. I think the first thing is we have to define what boundaries are and what they aren't. Boundaries are not lines that we don't want people to cross. Boundaries are what we will do when that line is crossed. So we can't control what other people are going to do. We can't, when we say don't cross this line, anyone who has a kid knows, I can say, do not touch that. And my kid will look me dead in the eye and snatch it up and run to the <laughs> Right, right. Like we, we don't have, we don't have control over people's bodies, their thoughts, their actions, their perceptions. But when we say to somebody, this is a line. And if you cross this line, this is what I'll do. We feel more sturdy and prepared in our boundary setting because we don't feel shocked and confused when they do cross it. Because what happens when you say, I really don't like when you talk about my body like that. I really don't like when you talk about my hair like that. I've had to say that to a friend before. And then the person talked about my hair and I was like, uh... Right. And you haven't thought about what you're going to do. But when we go into boundaries with this is what I will do if somebody crosses this line, there is a sense of assurance and a sense of calm and a lack of anxiety that we have because we're not confused when that boundaries cross. And in some ways we expect it. Right. We expect the boundary is going to be crossed. And when we put in our mind, this boundary will be crossed by someone because by someone, maybe not the person we love like the most, but this boundary will be crossed by someone. And I will do this because I love myself. I will do this because I'm worth protecting. I will do this because I deserve to feel safe. Like, I think that's the number one. The number two is differentiating between the two types of guilt. There are two types of guilt. One type of guilt is a guilt that comes from not acting in congruence with your personal values. And the other type of guilt comes from perceiving someone else's disappointments with your decisions. Which one are you feeling? Are you feeling guilty because both? it it can't be true? It can and often is both. Right. But when we when we can decipher and figure out that uncomfortable feeling, when we can figure out, oh, I'm just. I'm scared of what they're going to think and feel, then we can build a sense of encouragement through resources, friendships, therapists, whatever, to do what we need to do. But sometimes that guilt that comes up when we set boundaries is because that's not really who I am. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's not really what I should be doing. And that doesn't represent who, who I know myself to be, you know? And so I think those are the two main things that I have people hold on to is like, when you feel guilt for setting boundaries, are you feeling guilt because you're actually being vindictive? Are you feeling guilt because you actually are trying to punish somebody? Or are you feeling guilt because you're not used to loving yourself and enduring disappointment from other people? Listen, it's the gems for me. Not only the gems, it's the definition, because I don't think I've ever heard 
Um, anyone explain boundaries in that way? Because yeah. we really do, I think, as a society, think that boundaries is the action, mm-hmm. right? When, according to you, and it made perfect sense when you said it, yeah. the boundary is the response to the action. Yep. Like, what will happen when you cross this boundary? Like, I don't think we ever, you know, mm-hmm. think about it in that way. So, again, thank you so much for these gems, these definitions. Because we lost this. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'll tell you what, just because I know all the definitions does not mean I know how to apply this well in my own life. So I got my own therapist. It's true. It's true. Sometimes you get good at preaching. That doesn't mean you're an expert at preaching is not always an expert at practicing. So I got my own therapist to yoke me up once a week. So <laughs> and I and I also to your point, I also think that even the people who are the experts, the therapists, to your point, need to be yoked up every now and then because life be life in. It doesn't matter how many resources you have, the tools, yeah. it's still gonna happen. The tools are there. So when it happens, you'll be better prepared. And so that's mm-hmm. to your point. That's why you have the therapist, that's why therapists have the therapists and all that good stuff. But if yeah. if I'm a person who is thrown off by a boundary, right? Like give some thought to the person who is receiving this boundary that would feels like out of nowhere. Like how do I, as a person who habitually line step the boundary, be okay with the, the boundary that's being put in place? Oh, yes. I think the first thing that like kind of breaks down the, the tension between two people is for the person who is hurt because that person's always late to acknowledge I have let this slide and that's my responsibility. Like that, that was, that was something I did and I'm realizing it doesn't feel good to make, to let that slide. I'm so excited to tell you about the new and exclusive author Thrive Market is offering my listeners. You've heard me talk about Thrive Market before. It's an online membership-based market that makes it easy for me to search the products I need. And as a bonus, I get to support the brands I love. I love filtering my searches to see Black-owned brands. They have everything from food items to skincare, everything that I love. I really appreciate that buying organic products doesn't have to drain my wallet. I have a monthly membership, but you can sign up for a yearly membership as well. And they make the process super easy. Can your grocery store do that? Now it can when you go to thrivemarket.com slash tie. Join today to get 40% off your first order and a free gift worth over $50. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash tie to get 40% off your first order and a free gift worth over $50. Thrivemarket.com slash tie. And so I recognize me bringing this up may feel unfair to you, but I want to continue to have a close friendship with you. I want to continue to enjoy your company. And sometimes it's hard to enjoy your company when I'm frustrated that you're late, you know? And then also I would love to hear your point of view because sometimes we do need to discuss boundaries. I think that the culture of you set a boundary and if they cross it, like they're out, cut them off. They don't exist. Like, That's not realistic because how many people, I mean, I had a client who who was three, four years ago, who was constantly late to our sessions. And for me, I hate, hate when people are late because I feel like time is a non-renewable resource, all the things, right? 
But then this woman was sharing that she was busing from the other side of town because it was the only way she could get to sessions. That perspective allows us to, to be compassionate, right? And so I think that like, before we set a hard, fast boundary, I think it's important for us to connect to the person so that they don't feel like someone is trying to control them. Because again, if you have kids, the second you say left, they're going right, you know? And I think that's human nature. Nobody wants to feel like their agency is being taken away from them. And so I think if you're the person receiving the boundary of like, oh, you're always late, I think hear, hear that person's heart. Hear that they're saying, I am letting you know what will help maintain in- intimacy between us. I'm not pushing you away. I'm drawing you closer and I'm letting you know these are the environments that allow me to feel close to people. If you're the person setting the boundary, that should also be important for you to share too. Like, I want to lean in. I want to really pour into this friendship, but this is something that sometimes makes me frustrated or triggers me or makes me upset or whatever it is. And so I know it's my responsibility to say something about it so that we can continue to be close to each other. Um, I think that there's also, you you touched on it a lot. There's so many myths about like how boundaries should go, you know, that age or not old. I think it's like in 2020, like, you know, if someone's not serving my soul, blah, 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 I'm gonna, they don't, I'm, they don't need to be here about that. But for me, it's ghosting, right? Like the idea uh-huh. of uh-huh. someone does something to you and you're like, never mind. But yeah. what are some of the things, um, what are some of the things about boundaries that you think people should ultimately stop doing aside from ghosting? I think that one thing we have to stop doing when it comes to setting boundaries is assuming that people will be okay with them. Mm. Like we almost want the person we're setting a boundary with to applaud us almost. It's almost like this, like we're in the dream Disney world. They're like, oh my gosh, totally. Yes. Oh my goodness. But like, again, I think sometimes we have to honor the fact that like I'm setting this boundary for myself and not for someone else's validation. Like I'm, I'm setting this boundary so that I can continue to operate as, as the fullest, most authentic version of me that I can. And this is a decision for me and not for them. Cause sometimes when we set boundaries and people are disappointed, we can then regret setting them. And then we don't set them in the next relationship. Cause we're like, but if I do that, the person's going to get mad. Well, does it matter if that person is mad if you're not at peace with yourself? Like we're so concerned at whether we're at peace with other people that we're not even thinking about whether we're at peace with ourselves. When you are alone with yourself, do you feel proud about how you showed up in the world today? Yeah, it's, it's so crazy. Um, we do have a question from the audience. Do you have advice for addressing a boundary that was crossed years ago that is still resonating today. So this is where, this is where me and ghosting kind of are like, you know, do you, because to, yeah. to her point, like what do you do when you've created this boundary, you've addressed it, you've communicated with the person yeah. and it still is, it still is crossed. Then mm. are, are we allowed to ghost then? Like what happens? No, that's good. I, I think there are very few situations in which, just ghosting. So one, I think letting someone know I won't continue communication with you if A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I think that is the appropriate way to ghost. Huge arm quotations, right? Because I think saying I'm not going to keep enduring this and I'm not going to continue to give you chances to cross these boundaries. I think that, and then saying, 
And when you're ready to have a conversation about how we can, how we can heal this relational rupture, then, you know, deuces, <laughs> I'll see you later. I'm not going to continue to let me hurt or let you hurt me. Um, and what she's asking is like someone crossed the boundary a long time ago and it really hurt you. And then you have to come back and, you know, like the idea of coming back and saying like, Hey, this, this still hurts me today. Again, I would also say like, Hey, I know this happened a long time ago and I'm not even sure if you remember it. So it's funny you're asking this. I had um, essentially realized that the way I had spoken to and interacted with someone like years ago, like five years ago was not kind. And it just kept coming up internally for me. So I went back and that person had set a boundary with me. So I went back and said, hey, I know this is a long time ago, but I wanted to apologize for how I spoke to you. And if it were a reverse, I think that person, I think you could say, um, you know, do you remember this situation? I know it may feel really distant and far away from you, but it's something that still affects my everyday experience. And I wanted to communicate with you, whether we have a close relationship or not, that I didn't like that. That didn't make me feel good. And that didn't make me feel safe with you. Um, we can talk more about what it looks like to continue to develop a relationship if you want to move forward. But if not, I just wanted to make sure I communicated that to you, because I think it's so important, even when we think about like who the person is, how old they are, how young they are, how long ago it happened, how soon it happened. This is about you feeling safe and you feeling good and you giving yourself what you need, no matter like outside of societal norms and perceptions, like if we took away all the societal norms and perceptions that say you should be over it by now, it's not a big deal. They probably didn't mean to. It happened so long ago. What do you need? If we took all that away, sucked it out of the room, out of the universe, what would you need? And for many of us, it's I need that person to acknowledge they did that. I need that person to acknowledge they said that and say, I'm sorry, because so I, I gave my client this analogy. When you get hungry, do you get more hungry over time or less hungry over time? you get more hungry. A lot of us are getting more and more hungry over time for the compassion, for the kindness, for the tenderness, for the positive regard, for, for the attention that we didn't get in the past. And sometimes the world has to tell us, just, you're going to get less and less hungry. You know, like you're, you were hungry for it, but as time goes by, you're going to forget it. No, like as time goes by, you get ravenous. And it hurts more and more and more and affects more and more things. Who I am when I'm five minutes hungry is very different from who I am five hours hungry, right? And so I think for us, we have to feed our souls with the things that they are genuinely hungry for without filtering it through the lens of what the world says is okay and not okay. Before um, I segue into kind of relationship building, mm -hmm. I did want to, Amaya asked a question um, about just setting, I think, it, I don't know if it's still there or not, but I did catch it. It's about setting boundaries with your parents um, and in, in a safe and fun way, but kind of, and I kind of get where she's coming from because I think um, as in a black culture, right, uh, mm -hmm. boundaries are kind of foreign. <laughs> I ain't never heard of that before. Boundary, what? Yeah, like, and so even me as like, you know, a 45-year-old daughter, right? Like, how do I my dad, who is 60 something, to not do this, 
even though this is how he's engaged with me my entire life. This is how we were raised. Like, how, how, do, how do you set a firm boundary for your parents specifically, you know, without them feeling respect, disrespected and, and with them kind of receiving it, right? Because I think even in uh, off topic for Amaya's, my case is always like, I don't know if my dad hears me when I say that this is not not how I'm going to participate in yeah. our relationship in this way. Yeah. And he'd be like, okay, whatever. <laughs> you want some chicken? You want a little girl? Okay, whatever. Yeah, that's, that is, that's hard. And I wish I had like a perfect you know, professional answer. But I think that for me, what I, this is more of a personal side. When I'm, I came from an African family, a, they, my family's from Ghana, West Africa. Um, so y'all don't have no boundaries at all. What is that? A bound? <laughs> bound, bound, bound? I don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> we don't have any, right? And there's this this right to your space, this right to your body, this right to, like, like it don't matter. You walk in and your auntie grabs your boobs and says, you're getting big, you know? <laughs> that's, just, that's just life. And I think setting boundaries with elders, I think we have to remember that the reason why setting boundaries with elders feels so difficult is because we actually do want to respect them, that that is a value that we both share. And so we're trying to figure out how do I engage in the shared value while also honoring this value that only I have? And I think that's where it gets tricky. And the question I think I've asked myself and asked others um, as a clinician is like, what are you willing to give up and what are you not willing to give up? Because you won't get everything you want in every relationship. And I love my parents dearly. They're in their late 60s. And I know that I will not always get my mom to agree on every view and perspective I have. She may not speak about things in a way that I think she should. And for me, I am willing to experience and endure that discomfort if it means I get to be close to my mommy in, you know, what may be the last decade of her life. Mm. And for me, like, I'm, I'm willing to, I'm willing to, to make that sacrifice. And I think that's something that our generation has lost. I think our parents' generations do too much of it. And I think our generation does too little of it is sacrifice. There is a sacrifice. Sacrifice is not just, I give you something, you give me something. Sacrifice is supposed to actually cost you. You know, you've sacrificed when you feel like, dang, I don't want to give that, but I am. I don't want to let that go, but I will. Like, that's how you know you're actually making a sacrifice. That's the difference between sacrifice and just giving. Sacrifice is something you don't actually want to give up. And so I would say if it's deeply affecting your mental and emotional health, I would continue to reiterate it. If it's something that just really annoys you, which is the case with my parents, if it's something that just really annoys you and sometimes makes you uncomfortable, then that's something you have to weigh. What am I willing to give up? What am I willing to sacrifice? And for me, I'm willing to sacrifice my mom saying some sometimes off the wall, wild stuff. If it means that I get to be close to her, if it means that she gets to feel safe, I get to feel safe and she gets to feel close to my children as well. Because ultimately that is more important. I would rather have that relationship with my mother than stand my ground and regret it later. You know, listen, I. I'm at a loss for words at that um, because I, to your point, I don't think that we 
think about sacrifices enough to, to your point. We often think about in the moment on how much we're annoyed by the things that they say. And I also preface this with saying, I think a little bit of it is just the resources that we have, especially when we think about our body, our hair, our skin. You know what I mean? Like, I think this is the first generation as Black women, as Black people that really see themselves outside of how society has taught us to see ourselves. That makes Ooh, sense. That's real. And so, and we're still unpacking it, right? Because literally this, like if you're in your forties, this is the first time, forties, thirties, even 20, like this is the first time that we've actually said, I'm gonna wear my hair the way I want. I'm mm-hmm. aware what I want. Maybe I don't want the girdle. Maybe I do, but I'm aware of what I want. If it's right. too small, so what? I'm aware. I'm not I wearing stockings under my I'm skirt. I'm not wearing stockings. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to wear the white shoes past Labor Day. You know, yeah. there's so there's so many kind of defying things as Black women. And I'm, I'm going to speak towards Black women because this is just the audience that I'm talking to right now. Yeah. But I'm, I'm sure that white people may have the same, you know, issues. But for us, it really is embedded in our culture yeah. that we appear a certain way. We look yeah. a certain way. We talk a certain way. We, You know, there's all these kind of rules <laughs> to life. Mm-hmm. And we are really the first generation that said, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And so I yep. think the disconnect for a lot of us is, is that, right? Like we now have the internet, we have the tools that tell us what happens to our mental when we are stuck in these stigmas, when we're stuck in these roles, yep. right? Where our parents couldn't fathom not wearing stockings to work. Oh my gosh. They were literally but, just- Oh, stockings, What? <laughs> like really uh-huh it doesn't so matter I, if you stretch to your ankles circle me <laughs> down to the floor sis put them put a slip on and put them stockings on i bet you won't leave out of here with no slip okay <laughs> like i bet you won't so again oh, i think so i think just just the kind of disconnect yeah. of what our parents you know had to deal with and what we're dealing with. And while trauma is trauma, like well, this isn't the trauma Olympics, it, it's no yeah. score here. It just is really different. There, there are some sacrifices that I think our generation has to make because we do have the tools. We have the resources. Like we're literally sitting on the internet talking yeah. about life issues for an hour with people that we really kind of know, but don't know. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't have yeah. access this kind of information. They didn't have the access to senses of community. And so there, there is a little bit of, like you said, some sacrifices that has that needs to be given. And I also think that there's some grace, right? Yes. That needs to be given to our parents who, again, sure. habitually line step those boundaries. Because honestly, for lack of better terms, they don't know any better. Right. Like just just how our things are kind of embedded into us picking up our phone, being, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you get up in the morning and you get on Instagram. That's something that's embedded in our culture. Right. Where yeah. it's like for black women commenting on hey, you're not going to straighten your hair today. Is that, uh-huh. is that how you're wearing? Is that how you're wearing your hair? That was a little wild. Mm. That's, a little, that's a little wild, sis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you going yep. to wear like that? Yep. Yep. And you wearing even that? with the idea of grace that you were saying, I think that. Our parents are many times resistant to learning because this is the first like season of their life where they get to rest. 
Like, I think they're tired. I think they are tired of fighting, of explaining. That's why they just be like, uh-huh, all right. You know, eat your fruits and vegetables. You're getting thick. I just told you I'm talking about my body. You know, like, I think, and, and that is not to say like, oh, what they say shouldn't be taken to heart or it's not hurtful. But sometimes I look at my parents and I'm like, y'all have been through. Through it. <laughs> through it. Y'all have really been through it. I mean, like just thinking about all the things they went through and the time that they that they were raised and growing up and all. Like I see my parents and like my parents are joyful for the first time. For what I feel like I've seen for my first time in my life, they're silly and they're laughing and they're joking and they don't want to have to learn all the new stuff because they're just trying to figure out how they can have fun before their time is up. They're like, I worked hard, like so many people, so many black people's like um, in the diaspora, so many of our hope was in retirement. Mm-hmm. I am working for retirement, and but our parents are now retirement age. And so I think for many of them, they're like, I'm tired. I'm working my entire life to get to this social Mecca. Please let me be, right. <laughs> please let me go. And now you want me to remember how to, to, now you want me to switch up how I'm treating you. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And two those those two things can be true at the same time. I can be hurt by what you're saying, and you can deserve rest after a long, long life of hardworking. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about um, relationship building as it relates to our new norm, because I feel like um, you know, even though we're getting outside, like COVID is kind of. Uh-huh. letting go of the chokehold that it's had upon us <laughs> a little yeah. bit. But we've been locked away in the house for almost two years at this point. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we've really lost kind of the art of being social. We've lost some social skills. <laughs> Look, that leans in. <laughs> I feel like we've really lost um, some social skills in there. So how, how can we sort of build or rebuild um, and kind of maintain those relationships while we're kind of bring out this new. I feel like even the social that we used to know isn't going to be the same social that's going to, that that's forthcoming. Oh no, you're right. Yeah. You're a thousand percent. Right. I think, so I'm going to answer, answer that question like a roundabout way. Something I have been seeing a lot of in the digital space and just in real life is love bombing in friendships. What's that? I mean, do you? Yeah. So have you heard of the term love bombing before? No, that's why I said I do. Oh my gosh. So love bombing is a uh, psychological, psychosocial term that is often attributed to the actions of people who um, either have narcissistic personality disorder or exhibit narcissistic traits. So what love bombing is, it's meeting someone and just giving them all you got. Text them every day, call them every day. You're the best friend in the world. Please come with me here, come with me there. I like, we're sisters, we're like blood bond. Like it is like that intense love. And usually it's in romantic relationships. So that may look like you went on a first date and then you guys didn't, you guys never separated every single day for the next three years. And he's giving you flowers and this and that. But then after you get married, he's emotionally absent. Clothing trends come and go too quickly. So I want to start focusing on timeless pieces that will elevate my wardrobe. And of course, I did that with the help of Jenny Kane. 
Jenny Kane has curated stylish staples that will work with everything in your closet. I have the Jenny Kane Sherling Line crossover sandals and I knew right away that I was gonna cherish them forever. I wear them all the time and it makes getting dressed in the morning so much easier and cozier because you know, in 2022, I am staying stylish and cozy. Jenny Kane also has the classic cashmere cardigans of your dream. A cardigan might just be on my purchase list next time. Find your forever pieces at JennyKane.com and get 15% off your first order when you use the code TIE at checkout. That's J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code TIE. Or after, you know, like after you've been together, <laughs> don't make that face, after you've been together for a certain amount of time, it's really this internal trauma response of earning and garnering someone's favor with intense love and affection so that when you withdraw, you have something to refer to as a reason why your withdrawal is not valid, right? So it's giving, 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 giving in a season, pulling away. And then when that person says, why are you pulling away? They're like, what do you mean? Why am I pulling away? I bought you flowers. I did this. I took you here. We went there. We went there. We went there. And then what that does is it causes this psychological distress and confusion with the uh, romantic partner in this case, who then feels like, dang, am I being ungrateful? Like, but I don't feel as close to you. I don't feel. And I've been seeing a lot of that cycle, that abusive cycle. That's what it is. It's an emotionally abusive cycle in friendships. I think a lot of people's abandonment issues were ignited in the isolation of quarantine. And so a lot of people will meet somebody immediately. And then I'm texting you every single day. We're hanging out. We're going on a trip together. We're best friends in the entire world. And then that person randomly retreats or is just not present. And the friend's like, what happened? And they're like, oh, well, nothing. I just, you know, I'm falling back. I'm just taking my time. I like, what do you mean? We did this and this and this together. Love bombing is not a sustainable way to build deep and abiding relationships. It's not sustainable. Like when you're building relationships with people, come with who you are and what you can give that day and what you can give tomorrow. Because love bombing is just like, because what happens when you do love bomb eight people, eight Instagram friends you met, and now they're all your best friends and you can't keep up texting all of them because you're in a depressive episode and your kid's sick and your husband, like you have all these things going on. <laughs> Hands for me. <laughs> I'm being, I'm being your co-signer. I'm being the co-signer. Like, I mean, what happens, girl? <laughs> what happens, right? And so I think for a lot of people, they like, a lot of us are craving that closeness. We like, oh, I want that best friend. I want that sister friend. I want that person. And instead of just coming with who we are, the ordinary, the regular, the sometimes boring, the sometimes moody, the sometimes if we're going to hang out, we may not say a word to each other, but we're going to be beside each other. The hey, what you want to eat? Like when you come with that, when you want intimacy, you have to come with who you actually are. Because when you love bomb people to impress them, you leave like you leave this deficit of authenticity because you can't sustain it. And now they expect it from you. And now you resent them for expecting what you were always giving, but you set the bar, right? And so as you were saying that, that was like the first thing that came to mind was like, I didn't know I had a term, but I definitely see that and witness it. I 
have, especially when we were deep in the pandemic, we were all like besties. And then when we got out of the pandemic, to your point, we're going on vacation together, just uh-huh. random people. I'm like, so y'all are best friends now? That's what we do? But (laughs) another like hard part that of a friendship love bombing that can be really triggering for the person who's being love bombed is it feels good at first, but especially in friendships and especially in this this social media space, I'm sure you'll understand this. People begin to feel like they have a sense of ownership over what you do and who you are. And and who the other friends that you friend with. Oh yeah, right. Like literally, they feel a sense of like, well, you can't hang out with her. You know, I heard that she da 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 da, and like, you want to talk to her? I don't know da 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 da. Or you shouldn't da da da. And like, I speak about this as a clinician who is like, because a lot of people have come to therapy just for their own stuff with the pandemic, and a lot of people are like, oh, I had this friend and they're amazing. This like, oh my god, God just sent me my sister friend, and then four weeks later, they're like, she's crazy. She's like, like she's blown. She's calling me eight times a day. She's doing this. She's doing like, like, I, how do I cut it off with her? How do I tell her to leave me alone? <laughs> how do I get her this help? <laughs> right, right, right. SOS and fire signals in the sky. Like, girl, don't leave me alone. And, and then I personally experienced it in the pandemic. This sense of like meeting other creators and, and connecting and being like, oh, this is amazing. This is great. I love this. But then it was like, oh, you should do this. And I'd be like, oh, I don't really want to do that. Oh, who do you think you are? You know, I'm just trying to help you out. You're like a little sister to me. Da, da, da. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. No, thanks. No, thanks. And and what that brings up is like that inner four-year-old who's like, you ain't going to tell me what to do. <laughs> you know, you're not going to tr- control my life. Both sides lose in the love bombing. The person who's being bombed and the person who's loving because both people are given an expectation of a friendship and a connection that isn't real. Like it's not real and it can't last. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's it's you you are showing off today. Just <laughs> <laughs> case y'all didn't know she's showing off today with all these gems. Um speaking of gems on your Instagram, which again you have to follow her. I love her. It's it's Kobe Campbell, I think underscore, right? Mm-hmm. Underscore one underscore. Have to follow her. But recently you shared a quote that struck me to my core. Um, so I didn't really, again, I, I love following therapists, specifically you, because you were things so eloquently and so kind of layman terms without the jargon, but this kind of makes sense. And so the yeah. quote said, healing, healing won't come from trying harder. It will come from trying softer. And I thought, wow, what does she mean by trying softer? What does trying softer look like for you? Mm. When I hear people talk about the childhood experiences or even the experiences that they've had in adulthood that were so difficult, every single time, what every single person needed was someone to be compassionate and tender to them. It was always, I made a mistake and then they flipped out on me or, or I forgot this and I got spanked or I did this and I got beat or in adulthood it's, and I told him this is what I needed, but he said, I need to get over it. Cause I was being ungrateful or they told me to do this. And I said, I couldn't, instead of understanding my limits, they forced me to do it anyways. Right. And you look back and it, it like goes back to that hunger analogy. You needed tenderness. So why do you think being hard on yourself is going to remedy the wounds that came from someone being hard on you. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know why I do this. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know about y'all, but I feel like she's just reading everything about us right now. <laughs> oh, taking like we have to give ourselves what we didn't get. And often what we didn't get, especially as black people and black women was softness. We did not get tenderness. We did not get my laptop. kindness <laughs> and compassion. Yeah, like that's what trying softer is. Trying softer yeah. is saying, I'm going to give myself the compassion that, 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 that I needed at six years old, but no one gave it to me. I'm not going to work myself into the ground and tell myself to work harder because working harder is what made me feel less of myself. Working harder is what dehumanized me. Working harder is what made me feel like my feelings didn't matter. And that my only utility as a human was in how much I could produce for other people or how good I can make other people feel. Like trying softer is stepping out of the race of I need to work for healing and stepping into the existence of I can give myself healing by existing and loving myself as I am. Listen, I don't know about y'all, but whatever church that Kobe opens, we all going to be there <laughs> with our ties. <laughs> Yo, I got to go cry and take a bath. Listen, <laughs> we're all going to cry and take a bath. My gosh. The revelation is here. Like, I'll be the usher. Like, so, like, where's the church? Where do we sign up? Where's the internet church? Because oh, everyone's going to be there. So many gems, so many gems. Oh. Um, but I think, I also think that, like, trauma, right, is inevitable. I think oh, pain absolutely. is inevitable. Agreed. Like, things yep. are going to happen that you don't want to happen. Things are going to happen against you know, your goals and your successes and all that kind of stuff. Like, like I like to say, life is going to happen. Life is life yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. All the time. Let's talk a little bit about how, how we can heal with trauma, right? That seemingly just never stops. Like, how do you actually, how do you actually get a moment to breathe, you yeah. know, when one thing happens after another, right? Like, I, I specifically think about it like in grief. Right. Mm-hmm. And like the mom dies, the dad dies, the aunt dies, your uncle dies, the cousin mm-hmm. dies, the best friend dies. Like, how do you exist and move through that in healing? Mm, that's such a beautiful question. This is so small, but I think so incredibly monumental. Let yourself feel what you're feeling without distraction. Let yourself feel what you're feeling without distractions. The analogy I like to give to my clients is your emotions are like an hourglass, you know, hourglass shape like that, right? It's like an hourglass. And when something happens that the hourglass is full at the top with sand. And every time you sit with your emotions undistracted, that emotion drains a little bit to the bottom. And every time you turn away from it, the sand stops moving. The sand will only move if you give it your undivided attention. The sand will only drain if you give it your undivided attention. Where overwhelm, panic attacks, anxiety attacks, where those come from is when the sand is already full and then eight other things happen and we never looked at the first thing that happened. That's when people get into neurological distress. That's when people have emotional breakdowns. That's when people are led to, um, and not exclusively, but many times led to having to be hospitalized or having to like, just not even being able to get out of bed. If we gave ourselves the time, even if it was like 90 seconds, I, I wish I could tell you how monumental, when you feel like crying, turning off the TV, 
putting down whatever you're eating, because I know that's what I'm doing. And <laughs> and literally sitting there and letting yourself cry. I was just close my eyes and put my hand on my heart and just let myself cry. And my husband would walk in, in the room and he'd be like, and turn right out. <laughs> right. He just walks right out. And then I'll say, I'm good, just need a moment and, and go about my day. But we have to get used to honoring how we were made and what we are as human beings. Like a lot of us are not living lives that reflect the needs that we have and the people that we are. We're living lives that are like eloquently strung together trauma responses and then we're calling them personalities. Like you don't like going out because you like wait, going out. Wait, wait, say that, say, say that one more time because we got, listen, look at the audience <laughs> is like blown away right now, sis. <laughs> you got to say that one more time, a little bit slower. <laughs> okay, I, I was saying that a lot of us are, are, we're not operating out of who we authentically are. We are operating and showing up as these eloquently strung together trauma responses and then we call it our personality. And I think that's why there's so much grieving when people start doing trauma therapy, because the number one thing I hear is, well, who am I now? Who am I? Because so many people's lives are wrapped around coping, not living, coping. You work hard at your job because you're trying to redeem the moments that your mom calls you lazy as a child. You want to be on top because you're remembering all the times that you were left out as a kid. You want to have the perfect guy because you feel like you didn't deserve that and you want to prove everybody wrong. Like even the things that the world like magnifies and says like, oh, you're doing an amazing job sometimes are a reflection of the ways we're coping with the unseen and unaddressed wounds of our hearts. And so then we don't get an opportunity to actually show up as ourselves and say what do I want to do not what do I feel like I have to do what do I want to do what do I enjoy doing a lot of us in our 20s 30s 40s don't even know what we like Listen. we know what will help know if you accept the new clients <laughs> soon. are you soon, accepting soon, new clients soon. what insurance do you take because my I got insurance <laughs> <laughs> I told I told y'all, Kobe does not play. There are gems to be had and received. I just got two more questions before yes. we open it up for some um, some uh, audience questions. I know that they got some things for you, but when we think about again, the world just kind of crumbling down. Um, give me because you know I'm all about self care in real life. What are some tangible things that we can do? What are some ways that we can feel safe mm-hmm. in our trauma? inside the trauma though because again trauma is going to happen it's going to do what it's going to do regardless but while you're in those things in the storm what are some things that you can do or we can do i and so i'm asking for myself what are some <laughs> things that i can do to feel safe in the trauma mm, yes uh two questions that i ask myself in the middle of whatever what do i need and how can i give it to myself right now there is my pen <laughs> <laughs> what do i need how can I give it to myself right now? I love that. Right now. Because a lot of us are looking for advocates in other people, but we don't even have an advocate in ourselves. Like, I need to know that if I have no one else, that I will take care of me, that I will show up for that inner child that's wounded or scared or triggered or annoyed or upset. So like today, I was at Starbucks writing 
And I was like, I'm so tired right now. I'm overwhelmed. The kids woke up early. And I asked myself, what do I need right now? I need a nap. How can I give it to myself? Well, I can leave. So I left. They saw me get there, open my laptop, my AirPods in, and three minutes later, take my AirPods out, close my laptop, and walk right out of there. And then I came home, and you want to do, I, I slept for four hours mm. in the middle of the day, which for so many of us would be shameful. Girl, you sleeping in the middle of the day, like you need to be working. Oh, you're lazy. You're this, you're that. And well, that, that is like the, the thing we also have to be committed to. Whenever you find out what the answer is to what you need and how you can give it to yourself, to give it to yourself with reckless, uh, reckless abandonment. Am I going to filter what I need through what other people are going to say through me? Or am I going to give myself what I needed? Because I woke up two hours later and I was like, oh, I should get up. We need to stop shooting ourselves. Mm. Pun intended. I should, I should, I should, I should, I should. But what do you want? I want to go back to sleep. So I <laughs> slapped that bonnet back on back and laid back down. Head. And I went back to sleep. And guess what? I woke up so refreshed. And I was so grateful I did that for myself. Mm-hmm. And we all have the opportunity to do something like that for ourselves. I love it. I love it. La- last question, which yes. you just, just kind of answered, but I'm going to get you to think about something else. Um, what is something that is giving Kobe joy and hope right now? I feel like God has just sent me people who are as excited about me as I am about me. Like sometimes you can be like, Oh, I really am doing this. I really do like what I do. I really am like, and I have people that I don't, I don't have to dampen a single thing. I don't have to say, Oh, but like, you know, that's for the future. If I'm like, I want to be a New York time bestseller. They're like, that's right. We, but we, what, what do we need to do? What, who, who do we need to contact? And will, who, you know, and will, and, am, and, and will, and will, be. Period. That. Tomorrow. Received. Period. <laughs> and it's been so beautiful. And I'm realizing at my big old age, how this is probably the first time in a long time that I have an entire circle of people where there's not a single person that I question. Not one. Blessings. Blessings. I'm excited for you. If anyone has any questions, please. Um, or you just want to say hello. If you or you just want to say hello or goodbye. Hi, hi. I have to leave. And I just want to say, like, this has been amazing. Like, this has been, I had no idea when I was joining this session what it was going to be like. Like I like I knew it was like healing, but like, I had no idea how like every single thing you talked about just like resonated with me so much. I've been on the verge of tears. Maybe I will cry. I mean, I said I'm gonna go take a bath and cry. <laughs> Light that candle, girl. Yeah. So, like, thank you. I feel like this is just like such a first step in like so much healing that needs to be done and can be done. So, thank you so, 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 so much. And I'm following you both on Instagram now, and I'm just gonna be get ready. Look for messages. Like, this has been amazing. So, thank you so much. Thank you. Wow. For thank you. Thank you for joining us. It was a joy to have you here. Okay. I think Amaya wants to come in. Can I do this? Let me see if I can do this myself. <laughs> Amaya, Amaya. I have to say to the audience, Amaya, I've met Amaya during the pandemic and I have adopted her faux like 
on the internet. We talk a lot about healing. She's a young black woman oh. kind of figuring out life. So I love kind of helping her. So thank you for coming on and asking your question. I appreciate you for being so vulnerable all the time. As yes. we talk. <laughs> um, you, I just wanted to say to, uh, Obey, you just, I don't know. I was kind of on the verge of tears myself because like, you know, auntie says life be life sometimes. And, you know, it's hard yeah. trying to, you know, figure life out. That's why I asked the question about like parents and stuff. I don't really have a good relationship with my parents. And mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes I try to set boundaries, but it's like, they feel like I'm attacking them and I don't mm-hmm. know how to express to them that I'm not, I'm just, you know, I'm trying to just let them know like what you're doing is hurting me. And yeah. I don't know. I just, I'm really glad that I decided to come because, you know, a girl needed this. Yes. Well, I'm glad. So glad that you're here. So glad that you asked your question and so proud that you're even able to, to take your time to voice that to your parents. Cause that takes so much courage. So I know that courage is going to continue to take you beautiful places and healing is here and will continue to come for you, Maya. So thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. I don't want to take up your time, but there's like one more question that I do have. The first question is um, because sometimes I do notice like I get attached to people like very easily. And I'm a person where like I'm shut off a little bit. But at the same time, like if someone shows me like, you know, some some sort of love or like they show that they care for me or something I get attached to them and I wanted to know like is does that like come from like my parents not being around or like being here for me Mm. so because I haven't done all the intake and stuff and this is not officially therapy disclaimer I can't say it's absolutely from your parents but I can say you know there's a need there's a need for intimacy and that's probably why And we were created for connection. Our brains literally shrink and decrease in function the lonelier we feel. And so connection is how we survive. It's how we take care of ourselves. It's how to make sure that we are thriving in the world that we're in. And so, you know, I think there's no shame in the fact that like you get attached to people, but I think it's information for you to know that like, my body is telling me, my mind is telling me, my spirit is telling me that I don't have the connection that I need to survive. And so when That's someone cool. comes along, I hold on to it. Like my life depends on it because sometimes it does. Mm. So when you were talking about like meeting people on Instagram and stuff over the pandemic, that is where I met Ty and I kind of like got attached to her. I mean, she's just because <laughs> like, I don't want to be like overbearing because I know she's, you know, she's a busy person and I met her over the internet. So I don't want to like, you know, be a burden or whatever. I want to be a burden. I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling a little bit, but I was just curious about that, especially when you talked about like meeting people on Instagram because, you know, that's where I met her at during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I, I try, I tried to remind Amaya and maybe Kobe can co-sign this, but I firmly believe that, um, I, I don't like the word burden, but, but it is very, um, just to the point, like, I believe that people should burden me, right. Especially yeah. my, my friends, yeah. people who I love, people who I'm beginning to care for. I do think that they should burden me. Yeah. I think it's also my responsibility. And I do it a lot with them. I don't have the capacity today to respond to you. So yeah. don't take it away. If I, you know, don't think that I'm being a certain way because I can't respond to you or because I can't get to you, but that doesn't mean that I don't want you to be 
you know, vulnerable and, 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 and participate in, in us getting to know each other, if that makes any sense. And I think if, if we were that way in all of our friendships, it would just be a better way to build the friendship, you know? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And I also think there's, there's nothing wrong with me. I mean, I met Ty on the internet. Uh, what I call you know so and there's nothing wrong with making meaningful connections outside of our family systems I think sometimes like we just need to hear that because so like the psychological term is like corrective emotional experience is sometimes if we don't have a good relationship with our mom God will send us somebody who gives us all the things we wish we had from our mom and couldn't get from that person maybe they weren't in the emotional space to give the love that we needed and maybe there's someone else who is in that emotional space to give that to us and it's our job to let ourselves receive that love. Like when Ty says, you're not burdening, well, not you're not burdening me. You are burdening me and it's a pleasure and it's my honor as your friend to hold on to that instead Mm -hmm. of saying like, "Mm, no, I'm I'm just going to ghost. I'm just going to disappear because then we turn down the answer to our very prayers, you know? Absolutely. I hope that was helpful, Maya. I appreciate you again. You can go cry and take a bath now. Oh yeah, light the candle too. I well, I kind of was. But I don't want to cry, but I think I am gonna cry. Let it That's out. I have to practice. Let yourself feel. Yeah, you deserve. Yeah, to feel. I think I think your your analogy of the of the hourglass was perfect because I think a lot of times, especially in Amaya's case, or also, I think young people or people who haven't. Um, haven't been given the opportunity to speak about their feelings and kind of sit in them. They are at that moment where all the sand is kind of like just here mm-hmm. and, and then more things keep piling on. And then you're like, but I don't want to be a burden and I don't want to be this, but sometimes you have to be those things in order to let that little bit of sand kind of like peek out and, and wow. peek through. I just think it's because you're so far away. I haven't met you. I mean, I met you, but I haven't met you at the same time. And it's like, I have to remind myself sometimes that, you know, you're my aunt, but you're not my aunt. My aunts, I, have, I mean, they can, they can, you know, they don't have to deal with me, but at the same time, because they're family, they kind of have to deal with me. You can like, you know, if I do too much, you can like push me to the side. So sometimes I try to, you know, make sure I'm not, you know, I mean, I know you said it's okay to burden me, but at the same time, it's like, oh. I do get what you're saying. Yes, you do. We'll talk offline, but thank you so much for being vulnerable today. I love you and appreciate you, my darling. Thank you. you. (laughs) Um, Does anyone else have any questions for Kobe? You want to come online just to say, is that Mackie? I first want to say just thank you. I like did not know what to expect, even though I read the um, description. Uh, it was great. I took lots of notes. Uh, so I am so glad that I took the time to come on. Thank you for your gems. Yeah. But uh, one quick question, and it and it's about, well, I guess, I don't even know what this phase of parenting is called or middle age. Um, I have adult children who are married. I recognize deficits that my own parents um, created in me as a person growing up that I tried not to do for my own children. Mm -hmm. But I find that as 
now that my ch- the children who are grown, especially those who are married and have brought other people into the family foe, I a don't want to be a monster in law, but b I want to honor what they feel like. Like every parent thinks, you know, well, I didn't do these things, so my parenting was successful. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I honor? And, and recognize that my children are going to have things that they felt like could have been better and they don't want to replicate with their own families. Mm-hmm. How, how do I um, edify their feelings, but also create a space where it is a spot that we can talk about it so that they don't feel, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I don't want to ever feel like, um, well, I can't say this to mom because, you know, she's going to think that I'm being disrespectful because that's not at all. Right. Um, So anyway, I I probably did not even make a clear question, but I want to be I want to be a monster in law. But I want especially now I'm starting to have grandkids. I want it to be wholesome Mm. relationship. Yeah, it almost I like feel you saying I want to be connected. Yes. Connected to them. I wonder what would happen if you just simply said, you know, is there anything I did growing up that still affects you today? Oh, okay. Okay. I would love to hear what that is. And let's talk about it. Okay. I wanted to know how to start the conversation. So, yes. Oh, there you go. None of them have said anything, but I mean, yeah. disclosure I have eight children. I have five boys and three girls. And my I have five adult children, right? So, my daughter, my oldest daughter is married. And I love her, her relationship that we have now that she's an adult and she's a mom. Yeah. And sons are married but you know the saying a son's a son for half his life until he gains a wife I guess I feel that more now because my mm-hmm. son well because I know how I am about my son-in-law I feel that my boys are that way with with their in-laws and it's great uh-huh. I'm I feel like but they're my boys and I yeah. don't want to left and I don't they don't have to be a son for half their life because they have a wife you know yeah. so I want to make sure that I create a space for them. So thank you for giving me a talking point. I appreciate it. Of course. It. You're welcome. I hope that was helpful. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much. And, and, and one last question for you. Are you the same Mackie from Twitch? Yes, yeah, I am. Hey, I'm Mackie. <laughs> I am. Hey, girl, hey. Yes, yes. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate you. Thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it. And I already follow you, Ty, but I will call, follow you now to Kobe. Oh, thank that, um, you. Yeah, you got it right. First time. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Okay. I think Danielle will make this the last one because we got to get out of here. Hello, ladies. Hey, Danielle. I thank you so much um, for offering this space for us to come and talk about healing and talk about trauma. Um, I follow Kobe, um, but I will start following Ty because I like your realness. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I did want to say was is that a, a key point that I got um, in regards of my own family and my own background is that, you know, both of my uh, parents experienced complex or compound trauma. Yeah. And so um, in realizing that, I realized it was a space to give them grace. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I feel like as children, because we know they've been through certain things, we kind of hunker down how we feel or our emotions to, you know, accommodate them. Yep. And so um, I think I'm just getting to the point, I'm 47, I'm just getting to the point where it's like, I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> you know, so um, 
I don't know. I just, it was just something that you said in regards to that, being able to um, not only just sit in your emotions, but also, you know, realizing accepting where you are right now at this point. So, um, and the boundaries portion of it, that was key for me as well. So thank you again, ladies, for uh, uh, allowing the space for us to all be able to come and, you know, talk and share. I appreciate it. You are, you are very welcome. I think one of the, one of the things I want people to remember um, as we just go on with life is that most of us experience a lot of the same things. And so I created self-care in real life so that we could have these spaces, this community. Kobe also has the healing circle. Don't you do a retreat? We're going to talk about the things you do in a second. But we 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 created these multiple, you know, communities so that there's all types of different spaces. So I want to commend you again for being vulnerable, for being able to share, for being present, because it takes a lot just to show up in these spaces. Right. And share. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think we give ourselves enough credit when we do show up in these spaces. So I appreciate you for thanking us, but I also want to thank you for being vulnerable because a lot of times we, we're not even in a space to be vulnerable to even get the information. Thank you. And I just want to say one more thing. Um, Kobe hit it right on the head that Christians, and I'm talking about myself, we don't know nothing about Christian counseling. We don't have a clue. We barely got the Christian down part right, but that's another story for another day. Thank you again, ladies. I hear what? I'm like, what God is that? <laughs> what God is that? Okay, <laughs> we, have, we have reached the end of our programming, unfortunately. <laughs> um, I have to let Kareh go. Please tell the audience all the things you're working on because I know why you're in Starbucks. All the, I know why, but please tell the audience all the great things that you're working on. Yes. So I'm writing my first book. I am so excited. It's going to be my debut book. I was blessed to get a deal this past year. And so it'll be coming out next year, April 2023. Also, I have my Oasis retreat, which we mentioned a little bit earlier. Um, it's a mental health intensive and retreat for people who want to rediscover and reclaim who they are while getting to know who God is and being surrounded by other dope women who are ready to take the same journey as them. And yeah, those are like the two main things. I have the podcast, the Healing Circle podcast I do with my husband. We're on a hiatus, but we got so many episodes so y'all can go listen to it. And then y'all can just find me on Instagram and on Twitter at Kobe Campbell underscore. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you again um, so much to the people who want her to be your therapist, you're gonna to have to get in line because when she accepts new clients, I'm gonna be said new clients. I have my insurance <laughs> Okay, so you have your know, um, but thank you again so so much. I appreciate you. I love you. Um, yes, many more. Girl, this is our second conversation. I feel like there's a series drumming up. We have really good synergy, really good energy. So you know, okay. I'm gonna think about it. I'm very yeah. ready. For it. I am very ready for it. Okay. <laughs> very, very ready. Ready whatever you feel it. I feel it. I feel it. Yes. Um, thank you so much um, to my audience folks who were here who asked questions. I appreciate y'all. All right. Thank you so much. I'll email right. you to see you later. Bye. See you later. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am incredibly grateful for our connection. Thank you for leaning into these hard conversations with me. And a special thank you to those of you who are faithfully listening and supporting the podcast 
each week. If you'd like to continue our conversations or you just have a story to share, please consider joining our community. You can log on to patreon.com slash self-care IRL. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash self-care IRL. And if you enjoyed and loved this episode, do me a favor and submit your review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, just wherever you are listening to me today. Also, I kind of think you like me, like we go together or something. So go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so you can be the first to get new episodes each and every Sunday. And I want to encourage you to share this episode on your IG stories, Twitter, Facebook. Just do your girl a favor and share it so we can keep the conversation going. And when you do share it, make sure you tag me. I am at Ty Alexander and at Self Care IRL. Again, thank you so much for listening to me today. And until next time, toodles. Hey, you know.